do not drive off the road with this big news. DiPietro and Rothenberg. Morning, 6 to 10. I'll give it to you whenever you want it. WEPN-FM, New York. Michael K is on the radio today. And he ain't afraid to say what he's thinking. It's the Michael K Show. Michael K is on the radio today. Turn it up, it's time to get on with the show. On 98.7 ESPN Radio. Good afternoon, everybody. It is a Thursday. It's January 4th, 2024. Michael K., Don LaGreca, Peter Rosenberg with you. We're on till 6.30. Big Ranger game tonight as well. How you guys doing? Good? Terrific. You? Oh. Fine. Nothing great, but fine. Um, so Wink Martindale spoke today. Giants defense coordinator. And, you know, Peter made a good point yesterday. When you, when you play these coaches, it, it's Charlie Brown's teacher. You, so you have to really try to decipher and read between the lines. And it doesn't seem like it's it's a bowl of cherries between Wink and Brian Dable. And I just wonder where this goes. I mean, is Dable not liking Wink? Is Dable not liking Kafka? Because remember, both of these guys had significant interviews for head coaching jobs after last year's playoff game. Uh, and it seemed like Kafka came pretty close, and so did Wink. But they didn't get the job. Now, you kind of get the sense, although Dable has not said a word about it, but just trying to read between the lines, guys, that both of these coordinators have a chance to be gone. So, Don, you have to wonder why. What 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 happened well, uh, in a year? Well, that's what you have to get to the bottom of. All right. So, all right. So, Wink and um, Dable have kind of gone back and forth. You know, maybe it's a personal thing. Maybe it's a philosophy thing. I'm not sure. I, I don't think you have to get along and sing kumbaya with all your coaches in order to win. Right. The Bears were able to win a championship when you had Ryan and Ditka despising each other. Right, you know the Yankees won championships with the Bronx Zoo and all that. But the reason is you want to know if it's a difference in philosophy. If he doesn't respect him as a coach, Michael, I want to know why. Why don't you respect him as a coach? Which one? Which way are you talking? No, if if Wink doesn't respect Dable, I want to know why. Because I respect Martindale. I respect what he did in Baltimore. I respect what he's done so far here with the Giants. If he ends up leaving, I don't want to just chalk it up to well they just didn't get along with each other. I want to know why, because. Jordan Ronan, we, we had a chance to see him today, and, and he reminded us of a conversation that he had with Ty and Pat when we were away, just talking about that this kind of goes beyond just Wink and Dable. He gave a lot of it back, and you see people having turned on him. I mean, he was an offensive genius last year. Now he has the 31st-ranked offense in pretty much every category. But the way he acts, the way he carries himself, he's obviously high-strung, yelling, screaming on the sideline. You see that kind of stuff. That's the way he apparently acts in the building. It has wore thin on some coaches. We've heard about the Wing Martindale rift, some of the guys on the defensive side. You hear from other people in the building. Potentially players, too. I've heard a little bit about that. You know, like the yelling and screaming when he does it you just you know you just go away like you just let it wait till he calms down kind of reels it back in if he loses two coordinators this offseason that won't go over well that'll be like okay it's all on you now right all the pressure is going to be on him you're in year three you ran off the defensive coordinator if that happens i think then he gave back everything 
So I want to know what it is, Michael, because if it goes beyond Wink and in, in Kafka wants to leave and there are players that are upset about it, uh, that I want to get to the bottom of this because if the dust settles and everybody goes and Dable stays, is, th- is that good for the Giants moving forward? And in exit meetings, Michael, when Shane and Mara sit down and talk to everyone, you know, what's the message going to be about the coach? You know, it's interesting, though, because I think that Shane and, and Dable are – are aligned. Sure. They, so they I don't think together. that They're uh, a package Shane, Shane would not be turning on Dable, but I, I got to tell you, you might disagree with me, guys. Uh, I take Dable's side, and, and here's why. I don't even know what's going on in the building, but I think that we as a society now don't want to be handled roughly. Uh, that's why you see it in baseball. You see it in other sports as well. The, the the managers and the coaches are friends with the players. They they make nicey nice. They don't like to be yelled at. Players don't like to be yelled at. This is a different era, and I think Dables is a tough coach. And if you look throughout the history of the NFL, there have been a lot of tough coaches that have done well. But has the paradigm shifted that you can't have a tough coach because the players are are, are upset because he, he he handles them? I mean, we have two coaches uh, in in New York that do football. Complete diametric opposites, right? Right. Salah has told us yesterday or, or the other day, I will never rip a player in front of anybody. Dable does it right in front of the cameras. The whole world sees it. I, I would personally say, if the players don't like it, too bad. And if they don't like it, go get players that are tougher. But because I want to know, is Dable a good coach? That's all, all I want to know. I think he's a good coach. I think he's a good coach too, Michael. But... You can't just ignore the fact that if the, that if in unison there are players and, and coaches that don't want to be around him, that you could just say, well, tough. That, that's a lot to replace. I mean, good luck going out getting another OC, another defensive coordinator, another special teams coach. Have to maybe replace some players for a guy that's coached two seasons in the National Football League. So I'm saying is you believe in him, then you stand by him. But you also have to pay attention to what other people that you also respect and you also hired, what they have to say. And you can't just chalk it up, well, you got to get tough. Because it may not be just that you, you were embarrassed or just can't handle the yelling. Maybe it's just happened so much that it's like white noise. Like, who is this guy just constantly screaming at us? Like, so you just can't blindly take Dable's side and say, toughen up, kids. Right. You also have to pay attention to what the kids are saying to see if this is some sort of an issue. Because that's a lot of valuable personnel that could be walking out the door, Michael, that you now have to go and replace. But don't you also get the sense, just again reading the tea leaves, that I don't think Dable's going to be crushed if either coordinator leaves. I mean, wasn't it reported by... Who who reported it? Diana was the Jet um, report. But that, you know, Martindale and Dable... It was Jay Glazer. Martindale and Dable don't like each other. There's going to be a parting of the ways. So okay. I mean, they'll bring in another defensive coordinator. But now, I look, like Wink Martindale. I think he's really good. I think his defense is really stout. But, you know, they'll find another guy. All right. And then you could say, all right, Kafka, the offense has been terrible, so let him go. Special McGay, he can go. The special teams has been terrible. There's a lot of things that are terrible about this football team. But you also are taking a major stand to just that everybody is wrong except Shane and Dable. So I, I think that... And also, are we sure that what the most impressive thing about this giant season, the only truly impressive thing about this giant season, was what they did down the stretch, was that they did not give up. They continued to play hard. They won three straight games. Um, they competed with the Eagles, lost a tough one this weekend. Um, do we know who's most responsible for that? 
can we be sure that that's just a they they, they uh, it, that's clearly a Dable's mark on the team? But see, Michael's right in the sense that if you believe in Dable, then yeah, don't listen to all the noise. Replace the guys. But sometimes, don't you have to listen when there's that many people in unison not liking the job that your coach is doing? Don't you have to still pay attention to him, put some stock in I it? I think so. Maybe in the final analysis, Michael, you say, sorry, guys, we still believe in Dable, you're gone. Or go walk, we'll replace you. But I hope that you know Mara especially you know, pays attention to what these guys are saying. And if he thinks that it's just they can't take it, then replace them. But there may be some validity to what they're complaining about. Well, maybe you split the baby because that it kind of happened with Coughlin. Because they said, you know, you've got to come to another way. Coughlin was a, a disciplinary, and he was tough. He didn't bend. And then he had that come-to-Jesus meeting with the players, and he was different. He had a players' committee. They, they ran things by him, and they ended up winning Super Bowl. Right, so the, the guys can change. This is his first head coaching job. But, but what's And look weird. who he's worked under. He's worked under Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. Not shrinking violence. But... We're not just talking about players. To me, I'm not even worried about the players because, Michael, what players would you even listen to? None. Like, well, what point? I guess you'd listen to, would you listen to Kayvon? You just gave Lawrence a contract. You probably listen to him. You really don't have a quarterback. We don't even know if Daniel Jones would be ready at the start of the season. What, Andrew Thomas? You only probably have a handful of players you'd even care about their opinion. But you can you tell me in any sport where you might see two coordinators walk out the door because they can't deal with the head coach? And it's not Don Shula we're talking about. We're yeah, talking but, about a head coach who's been here two years. you, you got to be careful, though. I mean, if Mike Kafka walks out the door, he's walking out the door with the 31st-ranked offense. I mean, he's not, he's not dealing from a position of strength. Wayne Martindale, that's a different story. So but, I know, but, I, but, but I'm not even worried about what these guys are going to do beyond this. I'm just saying that when do you ever hear coaches complain? Like, it's, like players complain, that's what they do. All right, the, the players complained about Coughlin, who had went to a championship game with Jacksonville, by the way. So he had a resume. You know, was was very good in Boston College. Won a Super Bowl ring with the Giants as a wide receivers coach. He had some. He had a he had a background, and the players still complained. But we're talking about coaches. We're talking about around the facility. Like so, it goes just beyond players who don't want to get barked at. If if coaches if there if there, there's a lot of people within the facility that have a problem with Dable, I want to hear what they what their problem is. See, but I, but I've heard other stories that around the facility he's he knows everybody. He says he greets people by name. He's a really good guy. He's probably a really tough boss. If you work for him on the football side, he demands perfection. But I mean, let let's not design him out to be a guy like people just you know, shy away from him when he's in the building. People love him in that building. He's an engaging personality who treats people very well. But if you work for him, I guess he wants right. you to do what he wants okay. you to do. But I, and you may be right, but you don't think that you need to get to the bottom of this if yes, you're Mara and Shane and Sarah. What's going on here? Brian, we can't keep having offensive and defensive coordinators walk out the door. It's unheard of. One guy having a disagreement. But if coaches don't want to coach for him, it goes beyond just players complaining. That So, uh, yeah, there might have to be a come-to-Jesus moment. I'm not saying he should be fired, but I think you want to get to the bottom of this because he doesn't have the Coughlin resume, Michael. He had never coached in – he had never been a head coach in the NFL before. Yeah, but he's got Super Bowls and he's got national championships, uh, staff that he's on, and he worked for great coaches. Okay. But here, you know, coach of the year, I get it. 
you know, went to the playoffs, won a playoff road game. I get that too. But it's a second-year coach, and now if I'm the general manager, I've got to go – I'm, I'm going to have to replace my defensive coordinator. Okay, fine. Might have to do that anyway. He might get a head coaching job. But if I've got coaches coming to me say, I can't coach with this guy, and I end up losing two or three of them because of that, I've got to pay attention. I've got to uh, find out why. I'll tell you what, though, Don. Listen, we don't know the real story because nobody said it publicly, but coaches don't give up jobs that easily. I, I would I would be shocked if Mike Kafka would walk out that door. Maybe the, the Giants don't want him. Now, Wink Martindale get a job, you would think, because there's only 32 of those jobs, so he's got one of them. So there's 31 other defensive coordinator jobs. I don't think people are going to have this, you know, this mass exodus. I, I just don't. Toughen up. You don't like, you, you know, it, it's too tough there? Work it out with them. Do your job better. I mean, that that's all there is. I mean, this, this is a big boy league. But you, it, you think that Bill Belichick is really, you know, warm and fuzzy with his assistants? Not probably not. But you know, by this time, that's tough. You know, it's Bill Belichick. He's got right. rings jingling, jingling, and jangling. You know, so it's tough to replace these guys. Now, I don't, I don't know if Kafka is going to walk, but maybe Kafka gets a lateral move and decides I'm going to go. I don't want to be here. And I'll maybe Gable says he's the door. He's right, the door. All right, that's great, Michael. That's fine. But now you got to go out and replace them. And I need to know why they don't like you. Maybe it's on them? Good. Goodbye. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. But if it ends up being because of Brian, i got to get to the bottom of that too. Otherwise, are we in two years going to have a conversation about other guys walking out the door? Or am I going to have a tough time replacing them because word gets out, nobody wants to coach with you? Now, if you look at what Wink said today, though, he said this, he was asked, do you expect to be back next season? I don't know why I wouldn't. You have those conversations. So, I mean, why wouldn't you be back? I don't, unless they don't I, want him back. Unless, unless Dable doesn't have a good relationship with him. I think he's a good defensive coordinator. I'd hate to see him go. Now, if he gets a head coaching job, I don't want to stop him from a promotion. Do you want to hear what Wink said specifically? When I, I hear do, his words? desperately. Do you expect to be back, Mr. Winkenstein? Do I expect to be back? I don't know why I wouldn't. You have those conversations after this last game, and you sit back and you can reflect, and you know you take the emotion out of it—the emotion, the grind, the stress of preparing every week—and you sit back and you know you talk things out. Say, here's where we're at. So, you know, I think that that's natural in every on every team. He's saying two things there. Will I be back? I don't know why I wouldn't, but we'll have conversations. Well, we can have conversations about whether you're going to be back or not. So it sounds to me like he that he's he's not going to be the aggressor here because he doesn't want to be looked upon as disgruntled. You know, he's a professional. He's going to try to work through this because he doesn't want to look like he's the bad guy. But I, I, he wants to be a head coach someplace else. But if you, Dable fires him, uh, is it because they don't get along or because he's not a good enough defensive coordinator? Because I, I think he's a pretty good defensive coordinator. It's funny. We've we've all worked for bosses. Some we like, some we don't. And bosses that are tough are usually not liked as much. But it's it's the end game that counts. So we didn't hear any kind of problems last year when they made the playoffs and won a playoff game. But when you're tough and you don't win, then you're going to have to answer some questions. And maybe he's being tough because he doesn't like what he sees. He looks like he's a perfectionist. And we also know he puts it on full display. His head looks like the light at Madison Square Garden when somebody scores a goal. He turns all red. He starts to scream. Spittles coming out of his mouth. He is an excitable boy. But it worked when they won. This year they're having a terrible year. Now, you know, the naysayers are coming out. 
I think I think it's all a product of the fact that they've had a lousy season, coming off a great season. Right, and this is what and this is what happens when you lose, is that I think the the warts all come out. Everything comes to a head, and then you got to figure out who stays, who goes. And I'm not advocating that Dable goes, and I'm not I'm not taking any side, Michael. All I'm saying is I'd like to, if I'm Mara, if I'm Shane, I want to get to the bottom of what's going on here. And I get, I just can't chalk up the people that have complained about Dable as just being weak and can't handle it. I need to get to the bottom of it and find out how much of this is on them and how much of it is it on Brian. Because it sounds like the outbursts are not just reserved for on the sidelines. It looks like it goes on during practice. It goes on behind closed doors. And that's great. That's the kind of personality he is. But you know, Michael, in every walk of life, we will take whatever we get from people based upon the respect for we have for that person. If we respect the person, we'll probably take a lot of guff from them because we respect them. Also, if we don't respect is- them, that's when we're going to go to management and go, I don't need this guy barking at me. Yeah, but you, you keep your mouth shut, though, if he barks at you and you're winning. So we, we've had PDs that, you know, when we were successful and we were right in the top of the, the ratings, you know, they might have annoyed us, but, you know, we accepted it because it worked. But when somebody's annoying you and it doesn't work, then you start to question, maybe it's them, not me. So it, it, maybe it's just personalities. Again, as I started the show with, I see the way hirings are now in sports. They get the warm and fuzzy guys. The Giants decided not to do the warm and fuzzy guy. He's not a warm and fuzzy guy. He's just a heck of a football coach. So he's going to yell and he's going to scream. Robert Sala is the complete opposite. And you know what? They both failed this year. But But Sala has a carte blanche. He's coming back next year. Everybody's coming back. And now we're having this conversation about the Giants. And I'll tell you what. The Giants, on their third quarterback, when they were were playing DeVito, they played much better than the Jets did. They battled much more than the Jets have battled. Much more. Well, yeah, if we're evaluating uh, Kafka and Hackett, I, I know which way I'm leaning. Yeah, but the Jets are, it's, it's a hard comp because the only reason everybody's coming back is because of Rodgers. I don't know how everybody feels in that room. Right. If Rodgers said, I want everybody gone, they'd be gone. So, and, I, and again, I'm not advocating everybody to be gone, but you know how hard it is to replace two assistant coaches? Ask Philadelphia. You don't think part of their dysfunction is that they lost two coordinators after their Super Bowl run last year? And those guys just got other jobs. What if these guys leave because they just can't get along with the coach anymore? Don't you think that's something I need to get to the bottom of? If I'm going to go out and hire an offense and defensive coordinators and keep my head coach, that means what I'm publicly saying is those guys are wrong. They couldn't handle it. Brian Dable's my guy. Okay, if that's how you feel, great. I can stand behind that. But yep. you better get you better make sure that that's the reason. Otherwise, are we going to fast forward a year later? And there's the other new coaches that can't get along with them. And more players that maybe don't want to come here because they don't want to get barked at. I'll tell you what, though, Don. The only ones that count, though, are the great players. And do the Giants have a great Not player one. that you would just like your head would split open if they say, I well, can't play for this guy? That's what no, I said. they don't. If I said we have when, when they're going to have baggy day on Monday and they're going to go through their exit meetings. If I'm Joe Shane and I'm John Mara, who are the players on the Giants that I would care about their opinion? I mean, Saquon, I don't even know what his future is. Daniel Bobby Okereke. Okereke, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, Dexter well, Lawrence. Kid. Lawrence, yeah. All right. You know, Dexter, I just gave a contract to. Um, um, Thomas, I probably want to hear his opinion. That's but th- it. There's probably about three or four guys. So 
It's I don't think it's that big of a deal with the players. Although, you know, what word can get around, I guess, and then that could be a bit of an issue. But I'm worried about this is not a sport where one manager or one head coach can make that big of a difference. You need coordinators. You need a defensive coordinator. You need an offensive coordinator. You need a special teams coach. And if you want to let those guys go because you don't think they're any good, fine, do that. But if they walk because they can't they can't stand the coach, well, then I got to get to the bottom of that of, of exactly why. And if I find out it's their problem, great, I'll replace you, no problem. But if it's a Brian Dable problem, I want to find out what how we can change that. Let's go to the phones. Let's start with Mike and Hawthorne. Hey, Mike. Hey, guys. How you doing? All the best to everybody. Have a healthy year. Thank um, you. What, what bothers me the most about all of this is that whoever whoever leaked this or whoever threw this story out there, you know, before the end of the season, the Jets are having a crappy year, the Giants are having a crappy year, and this is just, you know, let, let's just stir the pot. Let's get Don all riled up. Let's get Mike Hawthorne riled up about something that we have no idea. And you know what? I agree with Michael 100%. This is a different sport. You're not playing 162 games. You're not in the road with everybody for three weeks at a time. You know what? Football is a different game. It's a, it's, it's a different game. And I'm really disappointed that whoever puts this out there doesn't put their name to it and doesn't say, listen, I heard to, I heard from Jane Doe in the office that the D coordinator can't stand the head coach. Put your name to it. Enough of this crap going on about everybody just saying stuff. But, Mike, you know that there. doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. Yep. Yeah, but Don and Mike, but that, but that is what this is going to be the whole thing today. You're going to be ripping these guys for wanting to leave or not wanting to leave, and no one knows if it's true or not. And I'm, I'm sitting here in traffic going home going, look, Rick is my guy. I love him. For, I know him for 50 years. I, I'm, I'm, I couldn't disagree with him more because – you're being put in a spot to come up with something that's who the hell knows if it's true or not. And well, like Michael said, there's only 31 of these jobs out there. These guys aren't going anywhere. Well, I think we'll if see. they go anywhere, Mike, they got fired. Well, that, that, that's right. That, that, that's a possibility. But you know, it's also it's not just anybody. I mean, Jordan's around the team. He's covered. So I, I've got to take what Jordan says. Right. We're not just pulling this out of the midair. Yeah, Jordan we're not said it on the show when we were off that there's a people in the building that don't like Dable's style. Right. I didn't have a, some season ticket holder of the Giants whisper this in my ear. Jordan Ronan said it. He said it on the air. He said it to us off the air. You know, so. There, there obviously is something going on there. And we've known for a long time that him and Wink don't get along. That's been known. Now, this is the first I'm hearing that it may be go, go beyond Wink. But I'm sorry, I can't disregard this as a non-story when somebody who's covered the team as long as Jordan has is going on, uh, on the air saying that this goes beyond just Wink. That, that he's worn on coaches, he's worn on players, he's worn on that facility. Well, we're going to talk to uh, Amani Toomer a little bit later on. We'll get some insight from him. He's in the building a lot, so maybe he could shed some light on uh, the feelings toward uh, toward Dable. We'll take your phone calls when we get back. A lot of stuff to talk about. Big win last night for the Knicks against the Bulls and a big game for the Rangers, and that leads us to game time. Brought to you by Telemore Dew Irish Whiskey, Connor Bedard makes his first trip to MSG when the Rangers host the Blackhawks tonight with coverage starting immediately after our show at 6.30 right here on 98.7 ESPN and the Islanders are out west to face the Coyotes. Coverage starts at 8.30 on 10.50. That's game time brought to you by Telemar Dew. Irish whiskey during the big games this 
season. Enjoy a Tullamore Dew, the original triple blended, triple distilled, and triple cask matured Irish whiskey. Remember, when it's game time, it's Tully time. Please enjoy responsibly. Thanks for listening to the Michael K. Show podcast. Hey, buddy. Hey. Catch the show on demand wherever you want. Just subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. You learn something every day or you find something different every day. So um, here I'm doing the show at Yes because we have a hot stove tonight at 630. And they had these little emergency um, packets. You know, if you if you're you know for immune support, right. whatever. So you put it in water. I found out there's a guy here who actually opens the pack and pours it right into his mouth like pop rocks. Wow! Have you ever heard of that? There is, um, I think there's an energy or something that that, that markets it to just uh, tossing it down like that. Really? So um, it's not unheard of. When I was a kid, I'm not proud of it probably led to my weight issues later in life wow strong where i would just get we would get like you know the the, the powdered high c mix yeah sure and like a cow would just get like a, a a tablespoon of it eat it right out of the spoon it's a and, I do, and once in a while i would do it with iced tea as well it wasn't as nearly as enjoyable i've done it with uh I've done it with quick chocolate milk powder. Yeah. So, oh, all right. So you kind of know we're I, in the I, I've same neighborhood. It. I've done it. Yeah, but I, you guys both have to hold my my beer here. Mm. Yeah. You, you I snorted told the story it. before. I I used to eat raw bacon. You know, out I, of the refer. I mean, kids don't I, do that. It's really wait, dangerous. Wait, I did, but I did it. I, I dated a girl one time. I was in her kitchen. Ooh, I bet you were. All right. Hello. She opens up the refrigerator. Right. And just grabs like a piece of chopped meat. Oh. Tossed it in and ate it. I'm like, what the hell was that? Oh, yeah. Did you continue to see her? Yes. You could say I married her. No. <laughs> no way. Please, please say it's not true. It's true. It was oh, Nancy. Oh, my goodness. You saw Nancy once pop. Yes. She, 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 listen, she, she likes her meat. meat. She, she loves it meat. dragged through a warm room. So we've gone to restaurants that will not cook it the way Nancy wants it cooked. And I say cooked loosely because she loves it to be basically it, it, this is like, this rare is, beyond so she rare. Could, she could go steak tartare then. This yes. is, oh, well, steak, steak tartare is a thing. I, I could do that. It, well, when you think about it, it's no different. Well, it is. It's no, not, not, but it's it is. really not. It's well, not, but, you, like you, but not, you just made a real mistake. You decided to go right past Michael's insanity right. and instead just throw your wife under the bus. When we got Michael sitting right here. You, well, you, Michael's insanity has been exposed before. I, but I've said all I the, all ate raw the, bacon. All the things that you choose not to eat. Right. And I mean all of them. Right. And you decided to throw raw bacon in your which, mouth? Which could I actually, was like seven or eight. But you but, did it once or you regularly? And, no, I did a lot until my parents caught on. And did you ever I get sick? Because I would think you'd get sick. No, no. Because raw pork is not good. I, 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 just, I know. That's why I'm telling all the kids watching right now, don't do this. I'm not going to go full, you know, down the whole road. But Natalie had me watching a, a documentary today about, about uh, meat and switching to a plant-based lifestyle. Uh, so we're in, we're insane. We're just we're we're eating absolute poison. And, yeah, you, and you really went it's, to a, it's really good. No, it's it's delightful. It's <laughs> really really good. But I mean, the the biggest point, Don, that I think is just killer for people who love meat, myself included, is you know Nancy's maybe the real deal. Nancy obviously loves meat enough that she doesn't even care if it's cooked. 
But mm. if, if someone asked you to go eat a piece of dead animal, you couldn't do it on a bet. If Michael did it as a would you, I, yeah. I think you did do it on a would you. Yeah. We, we could never. You asked us yesterday, didn't you? The carcass of a uh, of roadkill. No, no, no. Nancy's like that too. Like she does not. She, the only way she's able to consume meat is just assume that it's packed in the back of the grocery. Like it doesn't come from animal because she because she loves animals, but she loves meat just as much, I guess. But but, but I can't believe Michael. Wow, bacon, ba- okay. bacon. That's. With the fat, it's like it's like eating human flesh. So I, 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 <laughs> I, I was thinking, um, driving here, we should have a segment, things we don't like, and I mean that's essentially the whole show anyway. But but something came up today that I just, and we're going to take your phone calls on the Giants that we were just Good. talking about. So details of Yamamoto's contract came out. Okay. So for the most part, I'm rounding I'm rounding off here. He's making thirty million dollars a year, right, for twelve years. It's probably a little less than $30 million. Guys, in his contract, each year, he gets four round-trip tickets, first class, from Japan to L.A. Hmm. You're making $30 million a year. They I to- mean, I thought about it when I was doing my contract. It would be nice to fly out Jody and the kids. Maybe I should ask for it. I didn't have... The intestinal fortitude to act like such a d bag, well, where they could say you're making plenty of money, you could fly your family but, out for a road trip. Imagine asking for four now, first class tickets if you're Yamamoto. Are you kidding me? No, I, let me. I have to ask this: Does this count as finances? Like, does this count as no. the worth of the country? That's what's smart about it. Again, the Dodgers finding a way to circumvent the luxury tax. Because it was probably a case of we'd give you a little bit more money, but you know, instead of actually giving it to you in monetary form, we'll just give you the ticket so you can fly. You know what? I said no too quickly. Maybe it does count toward the tax. I don't know. Because but- I because I remember asking um, back when the Knicks, like remember we were saying about the Knicks, does anybody want to come to the Knicks? Is it, one of the negative things might be is that they train in Westchester, fly out of Westchester, <laughs> but a lot of the guys want to live in the city. And I'm like, why can't they give one of these free agents like a helicopter to helicopter them? And I said, no, because it would count towards the cap. Like, every bit of finance counts to the cap. But those are cap sports. But anything we learn from not just the Yamamoto deal, but more importantly, the Otani deal is, is that this luxury tax is just a suggestion. There's so many ways to get around it. I'm wondering if this is one of the ways. Four first-class round-trip tickets from Japan to L.A. Let's say you really go high-flying. It's three grand round trip, so that would be twelve thousand. You're making thirty million dollars a year. I, I remember something that George Steinmer did. I don't remember the player, but they were negotiating a big contract, and the player said, "You know what? I I want um, a bonus for winning the uh, Cy Young, or if it was a hitter, I want a bonus for you know winning the MVP." And George said, "No, no, I'm paying you all this money to win the Cy Young and the MVP. I'm not going to give you a bonus for that." If, if this was an ask for Yamamoto, I guess they would have done anything to get him, exactly. which is obviously what they did. But I wouldn't have the onions to ask. Well, he's got him. I, he does, man. Wow, he does. Or at least his agent. Now, somebody's got him. All right, let's go back to the phones. Let's go to Matt in Long Island City. Matt. Hey, guys. Um, sorry, I, I just finished dry heaving thinking about chewing on raw bacon, so I'm going to try to get through this. No, I'm, I'm sorry, you, Matt. I'm sorry. You're right, though. You're right. It's okay. Um, I, Mike, I want to disagree with you about your, your Brian Dable take kind of playing the onus on the players. I, I, I think it's 
a bit of a tired refrain to call people soft. I, I think it's just, I don't know why sports is the only place where we think it's okay in a professional setting to like, Oh, yeah, Matt, Matt, it's not only sports. I mean, in business, and high finance, people get screamed at all the time. Well, I guess I'll put it this way. I mean, I work at a bank, and I'm not, like, maybe you could label it a soft, but it's like a higher-up was yelling at me. I wouldn't take it like, oh, I couldn't take it. I would just be like, well, I can't take this person seriously because they're not being a professional. It's See, like, that's a good it, point. It, it, no, I, I, not, you know I, what? I understand what you're saying, Matt, but I, I, I kind of think... You're living in a land of unicorns and rainbows. I mean, look at hedge fund. Look, look at billions is based on an actual you know person, and they scream and they yell at people. I mean, it's done all the time. It's not the right thing to do. Now, I would not. And we thank you for the call. I wouldn't scream at somebody. It's it's not me. But you know what? I would expose somebody publicly if I kept telling them privately, "You can't keep doing this." And then they did it. That's why all the warm and fuzzy coaches and managers, if you, if they're not listening oh. by you doing it behind the scenes, and the only but, thing you have left is to expose them publicly. But there's two things. You know, first of all, never mind the players, because we all agree it probably doesn't matter because the, the Giants don't have enough good players that it's going to matter how they right. feel about Dable. So let's put the players aside for a second. It's a coach's issue, which I think is way different than the players. But I think the caller makes a great point, Michael. Sometimes getting yelled at, it's not that... I'm complaining about it because I'm weak and I can't take it. Maybe it's just, this is stupid. The guy's out of his mind. Like, like that's what I would be worried about is, like, if you're flying off the handle over everything, it's not that I can't take it. If, if, I, if I drop the ball or if I miss an assignment, I should be yelled at. If I'm late for a meeting, let me get be yelled at. But if you do the investigation and find out this guy's flying off the handle for the stupidest of things... That maybe it's a, it's an issue Listen, that where I, it's not. I'm not scared of it. It's just I just think it's insane to be in an environment where a guy's like losing his his marbles every five seconds. I, I'm essentially in agreement, and I'll tell you a story. I'm not going to name the person, but uh, uh, a, a boss in my life was screaming at me at one point, and I just said, "No, no, 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 no." There's one male that can yell at me, and that was my dad, and he's not alive anymore. Don't yell at me. You're not better than me because you're my right. boss. Don't yell at me. And now, it's not because I'm soft. I don't exactly. think it's the right way to govern people. But, you know, this, these are professional sports. And, and emotions are really high on that sideline. I, I don't think it's a great look that Dable screams at people on the sideline. But is it a game breaker? But I'm, I'm, I'm just going by the report that says that it, it, it's, it's wearing on people. So I, 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 all I would do is, Michael, I'd, I'd want to find out, all right, what are we going to do with this? We just can't. I guess the only thing I had a problem with your opinion, Michael, was that, well, tough. Well, I don't think we live in an environment now when you get a multitude of people to complain about a boss or a head coach or a manager and just bark back, tough, toughen up, man. Not, all right, maybe ultimately that's the answer. Right. But I do think you got to look into, okay, is there any validity to this? And if you look back at it and go, man, you got to be able to have thicker skin to be here. You're gone. I'm all for that, but maybe you do the investigation and find out that you've got a coach that's unstable, or you've got a coach that flies off the handle for the stupidest of things, or that he's wearing on them for other reasons. You know, we're, we're making the assumption it's the screaming and yelling. You know, maybe he's wearing on them for other things that, that aren't conducive to creating an environment where you can go out there and win on a consistent basis. So all I'm asking for the Giants, when they, when they have baggy day on Monday – Get to the bottom of this issue if there is an issue. Let's go to Richard. He's all the way out in Jacksonville. Richard. There you go. Richard. Good afternoon, fellas. I'm going to agree with Michael on this one. I'm going to ask you, Don, 
firstly, last year when they beat the Titans in the first game, and uh, Dan- Daniel Jones threw the pick in the fourth quarter, and Dable went over and got in his face at that time. I don't recall a single Giant fan or anybody who had a problem with it. It was a welcome relief. It also yes. helped that they won that they won the game. The other thing is, there was none of these problems in the year that they were winning. Just put yourself in Dable's frame of mind. I mean, I'm not a psychiatrist. I do play one on the radio. But the point is, Dable had a rough year. And we know this about the Giants. The Giants' biggest problem is a guy named Dave Gettleman, who is still, from wherever he is, wreaking havoc on that team because of what their offensive line play was. And, you know, you can't just replace seven offensive linemen in a year. So what we know is in a bad year, he got pretty frustrated. I would say, here's the good news, Don. If they have another bad year, he's not going to be there anyway. I think that, I think that this is going to get fixed. And I will say this. This is important. When teams suck for a period of time, the reason they suck for a period of time is they don't know why they suck. The last thing I want to see the Giants do is get rid of Dable and Shane, who are, I think, the reason oh, that they come out of the dark. See, I, I am 100% with you. Don't misunderstand that I'm asking anybody to be fired, but would you agree, Richard? That if you lose Wink and you lose Kafka and there's a bunch of players after the season that complain about him, would you just say, sorry, there's the door? Or would you want to kind of get to the bottom of of what's going on? That's all I would say. I would want to get to the bottom of it. But I I just, I don't know. It just does seem like, I mean, I I can't say that I have the relationship with Jordan Renan that you guys do. But it does seem like some of what you're saying is a little bit hearsay and speculation at this point like not nothing has overtly come out that he did you know this or that but i just think in a losing season i think you know here's what i really think he is a smart enough guy and a good enough coach that he will regret some of his behavior this year and i think winning and uh, a little I, reflection will change i don't that. think because- any of us have a problem and we had this michael we had this discussion constantly about criticizing dable for his antics on the sidelines not because we felt sorry for the player getting balled out. It was, why is he being singled out when the entire team is awful? Like, that was my problem in the game against Seattle. He's ripping into Daniel Jones for throwing the pick six. The rest of the team stunk. Offensive line stunk. Defense wasn't getting the job done. Why is he singling out Daniel Jones? I never have a problem with a coach getting in a player's face, Michael. But I felt like Daniel Jones was being scapegoated. That's the problem I had. But, you know, if you're a good coach, though, you know what buttons to push on which players. And well, as, as Richard just said, that first game that he ever coached, um, a regular season game, he screamed at, at, at Jones. And Jones went on to have the best year of his career. So maybe he knows that that works with Jones. Yeah, I don't know, but things change. The, the whole way we view him changes. That, that, that was before we had games where Daniel Jones got absolutely obliterated down 40 nothing for no reason. The, 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 the way that I think we view Dable has changed. You, you can't... It's a different circumstance. It was amusing then, three years into his career, after being mercilessly beaten with no protection, I feel sort of differently about treating Jones that way. Well, I mean, I think everything changes because we we always use this phrase, winning is the great deodorant. Everything changes because they lost this year. They were bad. Last year, all of his tactics worked. And we never heard a word of it. And one other thing I'd say to Richard from Jacksonville, it's just hearsay. Listen. We trust Jordan Ronan. We trust Rich Samini. They are our eyes and ears in that room. People tell them stuff. They're not making stuff up. So there must be some kind of uh, 
credibility to that. And it's and also it's I don't want to put everything on Jordan. You know, Jordan's our guy, Michael. There's been rumblings about him and and, um, and Martindale for forever. Like Jake Laser. Uh, yeah, Jake Laser had it. It's out there. It's out there that there's problems. And ultimately, when you talk about Dable wearing on the room, obviously losing is the biggest culprit in, in anything wearing down. <laughs> Everybody can suck it up when you're winning and when things are going well. It's always when things go south that you start to complain and the wounds start to hurt a little bit more. Of course, this wouldn't be happening if, if they were if they were playing for something this week. Don, I don't know if you know this, but to score a touchdown, everything needs to line up perfectly. No different than finding the person you want to marry. When the time comes to propose, well, do what I did. Visit the engagement experts at London Jewelers. They'll make shopping for a ring easy. Let them help you pick or design the perfect ring to fit any budget from their 2 by London collection. London Jewelers is committed to getting it just right. So visit London Jewelers today at any of their seven locations, including the newest location at the mall at Short Hills. Mention I told you to stop by, and you'll get the Michael K. treatment. Thanks for listening to the Michael K. Show podcast. Well, that's awesome. Looking for more access to the show? That's right, man. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TMKS ESPN. Well, Metropolitan Entertainment welcomes Tool to Madison Square Garden for two nights, Friday, January 12th, and Saturday, January 13th. ESPN New York has your chance to score tickets at ESPNNewYork.com or on the ESPN New York app. Scroll down to contest, submit your entry. Brought to you by Metropolitan Entertainment. Tool tickets are on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. Amani Toomer will join us at 4.30. You know, because we were off during the holidays, there's a couple of things that you know we want to address. Yesterday's show was jam-packed, so it was Tuesday's. One thing that we did not um, address, and I think it, it it might point to bigger things, guys. So the Jets' Michael Clemens in Cleveland stood there by the Jet bench and screamed one by one in a very deliberate manner, F you, F you, F you, oh, F you. I mean, to, and I, I'm just, I'm cleaning it up. You obviously know what he said. It's a bad look for the Jets. Don't you control your players? I don't know if Robert Sala addressed that behind closed doors, but you know what a bad look that is? There are kids in the stands. Now, they might have been shouting terrible things at him. That's it. But I'm sorry, that's not the answer. That's not the answer. You've got to control yourself. You have to comport yourself at a higher level than the fans. It's not a good look. If if, I, if I'm Sala, I'm calling this guy and I'm going to find him. That can't be done. That's a bad look for the Jets. You're representing the Jets. What are you doing? But, unfortunately, Michael, we don't know what was said to him. Now, the answer is it doesn't matter. You should ignore it. It doesn't look good because we'll never know what was being said to him. So, all we see is him acting that way. So, as you said, it's a bad look. But he'd be defended by the fans because we don't know what the fans are saying to him. And they're going to say that he should be able to defend himself and all that. So, I... I don't feel like there would be as much outrage as you have for it. I, I don't like it. I think it's a terrible look, but I don't think most people would would think that way. No, I mean, I, we, we know that fans will protect their player if the player committed murder. We know that, but that's just... Forget about the fans. I'm not talking about the fans. Mm-hmm. The New York Jets, it's an awful look to have one of your players do that because even if people were riding him and cursing at him, how about the kids that are sitting there didn't say anything? And he's, they've got to see that. Again, I'm not being Pollyanna-ish, but ridiculous. And he did it in such a way that you go, oh, my goodness. And nobody from the Jets pulled him away. I don't know if they did or didn't. I mean, they didn't pull him away in the moment. Now, whether he was disciplined or not, I don't know if that's something that would ever make any news. No. Um, 
the Nets were disciplined, hundred thousand dollars for the stunt they pulled against the Milwaukee Bucks, and that, uh, you know what? That's that's good. They deserve it. Mm-hmm. They really screwed up. But I don't think that you really affect rich people by finding them money. That's why David Tepper, it doesn't bother him. That's ashtray money for David Tepper, the owner of the uh, Carolina Panthers. This is ashtray money for Joe Sy. Take away draft picks. You can't do that. This is a product that you're selling to fans. They paid good money to get into the building. I'm waiting at some point for the fans to get together and have a class action lawsuit. You can't charge that kind of money to get into a ballpark or an arena and then not play your best players. Hey, if they're injured, they're injured, but not for rest. You don't sit down on Mikel Bridges for the second, third, and fourth quarters because you just wanted to rest them. The only reason you played them in the first quarter was to keep a streak alive. The Nets deserve to be fined, and they should be fined more. And they have a draft pick taken away. Should. And i, and I got to say this, too, not because of this particular incident. But the Nets have lost 8 of 10. And their two wins were against Detroit. So I would suspect and not be surprised within the next few days that they have a new head coach. I think Vaughn's going to get let go. Now let's shift to the Rangers. They've been playing great, but Don, they had a real stinker the other night. What happened? 6-1 to Uh, they lose. It's more about Carolina. They found themselves. So I I think Carolina is going to be a legit threat to the Rangers. Probably the only legit threat in that division to win it because they're finally getting healthy now, and it showed. And that's a team that when they get a lead, they're very difficult to play against. So I'm not excusing the performance. You lose 6-1, but it was 3-1 going into the third, and it kind of got away from them. Rangers are... 9-1 Nine and one after losses this year. I expected to go ten and one because tonight they're playing Chicago. It's one of the worst, if not the worst, teams of the NHL. But they've had a couple of these games. They got beat up by Nashville. They got beat up by Buffalo at home. When they lose, they they tend to lose big, but they don't lose that often. Only eleven losses, only ten in regulation. But that was a big bit of a stinker. But I think the Garden's going to be jumping. Original six team. Connor Bedard coming to the Garden for the first time. Um, Brennan Offman has been called up. Why? He's why they call him up? Debut because Tyler Pitlick's hurt. Okay. Now, why Othman in particular? Because he hasn't scored a goal in Hartford in like the last nine games. But overall, he's got 23 points in 28 games down in the A. So they're giving him his opportunity. So I think uh, it's a good team to play against. Again, it's a bad Chicago team. So we'll see if this is going to be temporary or whether he's got a chance to stick. But he was drafted 16th overall in 2021. So... Uh, He's finally gotten a chance to play in the AHL this year, and I guess they feel he deserves to get the opportunity with Pitlick out. We'll see how long it, uh, he stays. They got a game tonight. They got a game Saturday in Montreal, Monday against Vancouver. Pitlick's week to week or day to day, so we'll see. So week to week, so it's going to be a bit with Kako and Heedle not really close. I mean, he's got a chance here, I think, over the foreseeable future to maybe make a name for himself here and get things going. I know a lot of people are excited to see him tonight. You know, I read Larry Brooks over the weekend, and, and he almost intimated that Heedle could be done. That there have been past guys that have had concussions like this, and that it lasts this long, and that they go right. home to rehab, and then they, they don't come back. Do you think it could be that serious? Well, yeah, I mean, if, if it does have this feeling that if it's a concussion and it takes this long to get back, we've seen it. You know, Michael Sauer was a defenseman with the Rangers. His career was over. We saw Brett Lindros, Eric Lindros's brother, career shortened. And then we've seen guys suffer a ton of concussions and bounce back and have great careers. So it's been a long time. He hasn't played, was it November 2nd? I mean, so it's been a while, and he's going back home to rehab. So it, it it definitely has that feel, Michael, that will we see him this year? And then with concussions and the way they are, 
I, I couldn't rule out the possibility that this can be career affecting. I hope it's not. But it, it, it all, as all the signs that it's something that is going to take a long time for him to be able to recover from. And can he be the same player? Thanks for listening to the Michael K. Show podcast. Hear more of Michael, Don, and Peter live weekday afternoons starting at 3 on 98.7 ESPN in New York. The ESPN app, the TuneIn app, or on your smart speaker. Hey Alexa, play 98.7 ESPN.